When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. I'm Ben, and we are here, as always, with our super producer, Noel, the Iceman Brown. Hey, Noel. So, uh, everybody, just off on the top here, I just mm-hmm. wanted to let you know, I, I got a vaccine, a Tdap. What's a, what's a Tdap specifically? It it is supposed to help you out with tetanus, diphtheria, and whooping cough. And yeah. there's a specific reason that you need to get this vaccine that is happening in my life. It's pretty awesome. And anyway, I seem to be having some kind of reaction that is not usually what's supposed to happen when you get this vaccine. I had a fever of 101.7 mm-hmm. and uh, just been sweating my butt off kind of out of it feel like your brain is sort of wrapped in cotton a bit yeah so yeah i remember you were telling me that about one in 100 people have a reaction that you're having well okay i i can't i can't say with authority that that is true i was told by a gentleman on the elevator of this building yesterday after i was because he happened to get on the elevator while i was moving my arm around uh-huh. because the injection site is on your upper arm mm-hmm. and it's very, very sore. And there's about a 24 hour period where your arm is supposed to hurt. And, you know, <laughs> I was awkwardly moving my arm around when he got on the elevator and he was like, Ooh, would you get a vaccine? He like, I said, yes, it really hurts. He's like, what kind? Told him it was a Tdap. And he's like, Ooh, man, you know, there's about a one in 100 chance that you're going to get a fever like I did. And I was like, what? Got home. Guess what? It manifested. I don't know if that dude cursed me. Maybe he did. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe he incepted you somehow. I don't know. Uh, well, this guy, Matt, if you were describe, were to describe him to someone, would you describe him as a doctor? I couldn't say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he, I believe he lives in this building, but I, you know, who knows? There are all kinds of different and amazing people that live here and some that aren't so amazing. This building is huge. Yes. There are people that no one else knows lives here, right? Yep. In the nooks, the crannies, the unexplored areas of the, of this gargantuan thing. And today we are talking about 
unexplored gargantuan things. Now, guys, we hope that you appreciate this show because uh, Matt has pushed himself a little bit closer and closer to that death's door. To, oh, to yeah, podcast this, is today. So, this is so dangerous for me to do this right now. Oh. Well, at first I thought that was a single tear coming out of your eye, but it appears to be blood. Uh, it's blood and sweat and, and maybe a tear. So, oh, man, that's, you know, that's that's kind of cool. I can respect that. Cool. So we're uh, we're going to get through this episode to tell you some exciting stuff uh, before, hopefully, uh, my co-host and producer, Matt the Madman Frederick, it's your nickname for today, okay. uh, passes away into the great beyond. Oh, man. All right. Cool. Let's get through this. Then. <laughs> no pressure. Let's just make this the best one. All so, right. So um, by way of an introduction, and, and Matt, I'm joking, right? You'll be fine. I don't sure. know. Sure. I, I thought I would be over it much faster than this. So maybe I'm just on a downward spiral. We'll find out. Well, it's cool, man. A little delirium always helps the show. Yes. Like, that time I didn't sleep. That was great. That was my favorite episode we've made so far. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is going to be the new favorite. Okay. So there's this book that I really enjoy uh, called The Atlas of Remote Islands. And, Ooh. and for everyone who is a book lover in the audience... And there's nothing wrong with not being a book lover because a lot of books are terrible. Let's face it. <laughs> there are you know, so many out there now. I mean, we're not paid to be someone's English teacher. We don't have to pretend that every book is amazing. The yeah. world is just lousy with books that, you know, are not going to be your favorites. That doesn't mean that they themselves are objectively bad. It just means they're not for you. That's right. And every so often you run into something on the other side of the spectrum, a book that is so amazing that you can't even hold on to it because you continually give it to other people saying, oh, I want you to please check this out. This reminds me of you or wh- whatever you say. It kind of becomes a part of your worldview almost. Almost, yeah. And the Atlas of Remote Islands, which is more of a travel log than an actual atlas, it's it's just this book of uh 50 different very small islands and a small one to two paragraph story about their history. And while I was reading this book, uh, at least the first time, what I became really captivated by were the islands in the southern hemisphere, not just, you know, the, the scattering, uh, sparsely populated tiny islands in, uh, the oceanic area, but also, and even more so, the inhospitable, barren places, the closer you get to Antarctica, mm-hmm. the more it seems as though the natural world is telling you, turn back. Yes. You know, and that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about Antarctica, the most mysterious continent. That's right. Let's get to some of the facts. So Antarctica is the fifth largest continent in the world. It's roughly twice the size of Australia, which, you know, Australia's pretty big, everybody. So that's a lot of ice-covered lands. Mm-hmm. It's home to 70% of the world's freshwater supply and 90% of the world's freshwater ice. And this place is really cool. It's currently the coldest and the windiest continent. It also possess- possesses the highest average elevation of any continent, which is crazy. That just means it's full of those mountains. Yeah, that's another <laughs> that's another interesting thing. Yeah, because ninety eight percent of the landmass of Antarctica is covered with ice, and if it didn't have the highest average elevation, if it did not have those mountains, then it would probably be a hundred percent covered with ice. Well, maybe ninety nine or something, but just because there'd still be some land on the coast. Uh, in some places, Matt, this ice is three miles. Jeez. So, to paraphrase so many horror movies, what lay beneath? We know relatively little about this. And this week, uh, we looked at what people might find beneath the ice if it all melted away. The ice in Antarctica comes in two large categories. There's the western sheet, there's the eastern sheet. It extends all across the land like some curse in a medieval fairy tale, and uh, also into the surrounding ocean. So what we'd like to do is talk a little bit about some of the fringe theories and some of the concepts 
that you will hear related to Antarctica, and it touches on so many other things, some of which we've covered before, and a couple of which I would consider our greatest hits or some of my favorite stories. Yes, and one of those is climate change. This is one that really gets our audience (sighs) riled up one way or the other. And you know what? I'm in a state at this point, Ben, Mm. I'm just going to say it. Climate change is real. This stuff's getting out of hand, and we're all going to die. Well, of course, climate change is real because climates change over time. I, I think what I, man-made climate change uh, is okay. real. It's go. our fault, and we're screwed. Yeah, the Anthropocene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the it, it's it's an interesting thing. You can always, I don't know. I think it's so clever what people do in the the sorts of televised debate debates where it's uh, they do the thought terminating cliche mm-hmm. thing. Let's call it climate change. Uh, like now, as we're recording this, this week, one of the big things are, uh, the big things in international affairs would be, uh, the Iranian nuclear deal. And everyone's like, nuclear deal, nuclear deal, nuclear deal. But you have to dig yourself to find the exact details. You have mm-hmm. to, you have to go onto the internet and search, uh, the mainstream news is not really Say, telling the details of stuff. And you know what else? Just while, while I'm on a rant here, and this is just going to be so brief. Mm-hmm. Look, I understand when people get very, very emotional and angry about their, their opinion or what they see as the facts, right? When someone, cause we get letters all the time when someone says, well, climate change, uh, you know, again, another buzzword, right? Because mm. what we're talking about is is uh, much more intricate, much more widespread. Yeah, very specific things that are occurring. Right, exactly. Uh, ocean acidification, stuff like that. Things that have been proven. Yes, um, rising and, sea levels. Right, right. And people are really arguing over the degree of it and the cause of it, but just throwing buzzwords at people um, kind of hacks the brain to get past the cognitive ability and straight into the primitive reptile brain stuff where all of a sudden the person who believes climate change is um, not man-made or believes, uh, you know, that uh, some great uh, lizard messiah is going to emerge from a volcano beneath the ocean, whatever. I'm saying it doesn't matter what people believe. It matters how you believe and how you support that belief. And it makes me, it makes me just somewhere between, um, derisively amused and, uh, incredibly sad when I see people get super, super emotional about a thing. And think that, you know, if I yell at this person enough, if I am just angry enough, then it'll matter. And then at that point, you have to ask yourself, are you trying to persuade that person? Or are you just trying to, like, get caught up in a pitchfork party? Yeah, or are you trying to express your belief hard enough or reinforce your belief by yelling? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Oh, we should look at those uh, psychological phenomena, too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one uh, little bit of inside baseball here. That's one show that I pitched for brain stuff. It's another show I do. And they, uh, after we discussed it with the production team and stuff, they, they didn't want me to do this episode, but it was why you can't win an argument on the internet. And, uh, that's a great episode. Well, thanks. Why don't we do it? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> but, but okay. So aside from that, that rant there, uh, the, the forces of climate change clearly have, impacted the planet and are continuing apace. And we'll talk a little bit now about um, the, the the thing you were about to bring up, because you can't talk about Antarctica without talking about ice, and you can't talk about large amounts of ice without talking about climate change, right? Yeah, so so with climate change, we're, we're talking about several things that really are happening. Like I, I kind of mentioned earlier, sea levels really are rising, and they're going to rise more in the future, or at least they are projected to do so. Now, you might also hear people claiming that Antarctica loses ice at some times and then it gains it back at other times, but there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, this whole idea hinges on a bit of a misunderstanding. Think think of ice in, Ant- in Antarctica as coming in two different types. So you've got your land ice and you've got your sea ice. 
Now, the sea ice itself is seasonal. It grows in the winter as it gets colder. Then it uh, recedes just a little bit in as it gets warmer. Or, it, I mean, it can disappear almost completely over summer, but it's still it's still always there. It just uh, it's kind of like a <laughs> if I could make a bad comparison, uh, it, it's kind of like a person who maybe gains and loses weight very easily. They have variations of weight. Yeah. There's you know? a range. There's essentially a range of weight. Yeah. Yeah. And ice that Antarctica takes on during the winter. Antarctica <laughs> gets some water weight. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing exactly, wrong with that. That's exactly what it uh, is. Yeah. But like you were saying, there's a, there's a different kind of ice, right? Yeah. The land, the land ice is, is very different. It, this stuff, uh, it accretes slowly over time and it, Here's the problem is disappearing. Now you have to imagine that the land, the ice that's on land, as it is melting, it's increasing the amount of water, of liquid water that's in the seas. Right. Because the amount of frozen water already in the sea is part of the volume of the oceans. Absolutely. That's the, ocean, the, the ocean sea system. ice that we were yeah. talking about. So let's let's advance this further because there are probably some people who are already saying no 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 you totally don't get it. Well, we have a we have a plot twist here that a lot of people might not be aware of. This change in land ice cannot be attributed solely to a changing climate. Uh, for instance, look at Thwaites Glacier. It's this large, rapidly changing outlet of the West Antarctic ice sheet, and it's. It's being eroded by the ocean, sure, of course, but it's also being melted by a different, uh, a different thing. Yeah, from below, from the geothermal heat that's being forced up through it. And that, that to me, Ben, presents a whole nother issue. Yeah, whole nother, uh, whole, whole nother, uh, Boxcar badgers. Yes, the boxcar badgers that are heating up the earth from the inside. What's going on, Ben? A whole other boot of birds. <laughs> Bag of <laughs> the, cats. The bird boots? Yeah. A can of chinchillas. I could do this all day. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay, so, yeah, that you can check out the study by researchers at the Institute for Geophysics at the University of Texas at Austin, or UTIG, for those of you who love an acronym, and that is in a journal called The Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So they found, they found that despite the popular debate, as usually happens, there are other factors at play, and it's not just a yes or no thing. It turns out that geothermal energy is, or geothermal heat, rather, mm -hmm. is changing the nature of the continent. And one thing we should say about Antarctica, the history of Antarctica, that's just amazing is, um, it was, it's only been an ice covered continent for about 35 million years, which sounds a bit long in the tooth for us, but in the grand scheme of things, that's like, that's a bad weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it could totally come back. It used to be a subtropical thing that looked a lot like the modern day Pacific Northwest for anyone who's been there. Cool, beautiful place. Yeah. People still aren't sure what happened 35 million years ago because apparently just in the scheme of things, mm -hmm. the, the way this ice crossed the land and covered the place happened very quickly. So we don't know, we don't know what happened and we don't know exactly how Antarctica works, for lack of a better phrase. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're not for a lack of trying though. We've set up we, the human species, has set up research facilities across the land in a couple mm -hmm. uh, places. You know, what, one of the things that I found really interesting was who owns Antarctica. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I, and when you look online, you can find the maps of the segments that Antarctica, the way it's split up, because it goes from the South Pole or the, uh, I think it's the actual, I don't, I can't remember if it's the actual South Pole. Or the magnetic or, South Pole. Yeah, I think it's the, the ceremonial. Uh, South yeah. Pole. You're talking about the Antarctic Treaty, right? Yes. Signed in Washington on, uh, in December of 1959 by 12 countries who, the, the people who signed it were just the 12 countries whose scientists have been futzing around down there. Uh, they were, they were active during what's called the International Geophysical Year of 57 to 58. Uh, so 
it, but it's it, really cool. It looks yeah. like a pie gra- a pie chart. Almost. Yeah, 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 with all the flags arranged mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, the the treaty itself is something that um we can talk about in in detail. Uh, do you want to do it now or do you want to do it later? We can do either. We can do we it later. Either. Let's do it later. Either way. I'm sorry. I just uh, oh, no. I kept thinking, imagining who actually gets to study which parts and and if you're going to get different research on the northeastern side that's very different from the research you get on the southwestern oh, side. Oh, you mean if there's, a, there's like a good neighborhood of Antarctica? I mean, maybe. Wise? I don't know. I imagine if you're a biologist, that answer is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess it depends on your field of study, right? Sure. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You know... A while ago, there was an expedition that you and I had talked about a few years back. Um, actually, we should get into that later. Okay. Later, okay. Sorry, spoiler alert. Anyway, just to sew it up, geothermal energy. If human beings build permanent settlements on the continent of Antarctica and get rid of the ice. And yes, yes, before the emails come in, by permanent settlement, I mean like a nation state or yes. colony. I don't mean... 
a research center, which is a beautiful thing, but does not a country make. And, uh, the, but if, if people ended up actually living in Antarctica, mm-hmm. the, if we're going to be nationalistic, the USAA. Yes. Wait, I think that's already an insurance company. <laughs> All uh, insurance. Yeah. USAA just buys Antarctica, um, uh-huh. or some other large corporation. Google owns Antarctica. So, uh, anyway. These people could easily end up powering their society by geothermal energy, which sounds like science fiction, but is totally possible. I am now imagining the a country that goes through and just burrows through the three miles of ice, makes giant walls to keep the ice away, and yeah. then has a civilization that's kind of surrounded by these ice walls. Oh, right, living inside the inside walls of the, the canyon – Similar to, um, the, similar to the Native American groups. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the thing is, it's not science fiction. It's happening now, just in a different country. Oh. Iceland, not the big ice walls, but Iceland. Yes. Yeah. Iceland derives, uh, the majority of its power from geothermal energy. So, so it's, cool. so it's completely possible, but it's also true that the nuances of an- the Antarctic climate or the long-term effects are still largely there. There's still some questions to answer mm-hmm. just because this geothermal stuff is relatively recent, at least our understanding of it and the effects of this, the long-term effects kind of anybody's guess. We, we still don't exactly know, you know, what happened 35 million years ago. We're catching up. We're like people who started watching Seinfeld today. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, but they have. There's so much to learn, though. At least, and and being there's so much to enjoy. Yeah. Okay. That in that case, the comparison holds. I'm just a little bit sour about it because you know I I had never really watched a lot of uh, a lot of that stuff, and then I ended up. I just started watching it. I'm still in that moment where I realized that all four of the main characters' problems could be solved by having a cell phone. Oh, wow. It's true. If well, they were able to just communicate immediately. If they, well, it's the, it seems like a lot of the things are based on... Timing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, herald structure in improv or something. Oh, that's why... Oh, my gosh, Ben. I never thought about that before. That's huge. Is it? I'm sure that somebody else has I'm thought about sure, that. Sure, I'm sure, but... Oh, wow. Thank you. I went to, uh, I went to New York and saw the... Um, not, not for this thing, but you know, I was traveling and, uh, as, as you know, Matt, we, we saw the, uh, Seinfeld apartment, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just something that, it's just something that, uh, TV company made to, uh, as a recreation, but I was startled that so many people liked the show. There were people around the block, down the street to a different street. It was very crazy. I don't know if it was just the neighborhood or if it's that popular. It was a big deal. My my parents liked it a lot. I'm gonna feel strange if I ever have to meet uh, uh, Seinfeld, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David. If I ever have to meet them, because I don't want, I don't want. I guess I'll just be like, hey guys, uh, I understand your show is quite popular, and um, I don't think we're ever gonna meet. Those congratulations. <laughs> Who knows? They might be listening now. Yeah. Anyway, anyhow, uh, tangents abound in this episode. Let's move to one of the. Let's cut straight to the chase. One of the episodes we did early on in our career together, Nazis and the Hollow Earth. Yes, the idea that perhaps, or there is, the idea that there is a civilization that exists below the crust of the Earth. Hmm. And as crazy as it sounds, that there is some type of inner star that powers the civilization beneath us. And there's a powerful civilization that can, that the Nazis at least thought perhaps a small group of the Nazis yeah. thought could come up, come out from the bowels of the earth mm-hmm. and help them win their battles. Because, uh, as the national socialists or these factions of the national socialists, aka Nazis today, um, as they knew with a strange and mystic religious certitude, these uh these denizens of the inner world were mm-hmm. also totally totally Aryan. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And down for the cause. I right, mean, right. And cared about what was happening. Oh, yeah. Between, in these political, uh, political maneuvers. So, what we did find with that, and you can check out our video on the topic, is that, uh, it, it is true. You know, that, that stuff you see on the History Channel can be often disingenuous, but it is true that factions of the Nazi party had an intense belief in the occult. Uh, which we've talked about with the Annenberg. The Annenberg, the Thule <laughs> <Thule> Society. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, the belief in Vril and trying to reconstruct this new mythology. And there really were, um, there really were government financed quests to find things like these hidden mystical lands like Shambhala. Yeah. Uh, Shangri-La and, uh. Or in the case of Antarctica, an entrance to the underworld. Yes. Yeah. And there was, um, there was actually a plan to colonize part of Antarctica as a means of expanding the German whaling industry at the time. And that leads to, but, at least supposedly, at least supposedly, yeah, right, uh, in New Schwabia. But uh, as we as we learn, and as you can see, uh, if if you look into some of the historical documents available, uh, no one no one found any entrance. And that's not to say there's not an extensive possible cave system in. Antarctica. I would say there most definitely is just because of the ice yeah, melting d- over time and then refreezing and the melting and mm-hmm. refreezing. And the way caves form. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there might be something there, but uh, we have, at this point, we have little evidence of, we, we know a little bit about what kind of life might be there, but mm-hmm. we know very little about it. We do also have another thing that we should bring up, and I, I think we did an episode on this too, Matt, this belief in the uh the National Socialist Nazi Party exploring and attempting to take over Antarctica ties in with a little known story in US history as well, right? Ah. Operation High Jump, you say? Ah uh, yes. Where we, we chased them or we we at least followed the Nazis down towards Antarctica. Let's do uh well let's do the movie version of it. How okay. would you how would you say them if you were if you were pitching the movie version of Operation High Jump, oh, wow. Matt, how would you how would you pitch it to me? Okay. Like we're we're in the elevator. <laughs> we I've got five seconds before I'll, we get I'll, to the next Yeah, one. I'll help you pitch too. Let's say Noel is uh Noel is who's a good director? Who's a director that you really Noel. Like? Well, other than Noel, he has to be someone else. Oh, it, he has to be someone else. Yeah. Uh Let's go with Michael Bay. No, oh. I mean, I could see him being able to sell this movie, though. Right. Oh God. Yeah, let's do Bay. He can sell this. <laughs> okay, so if we were pitching Operation High Jump to Michael Bay, what would we say? Oh. All right, this is how we go. All right. Sup, Bay? So check this out. I got this idea for a movie. Think uh, United States military. Navy, giant ships, right? Then you got Nazi ships too, right? So there, there, this one section, Nazi ships, United States Navy, other ships heading towards Antarctica, right? Then they get into these battles. We're, well, we're going to make them get into battles because we need explosions, right? Boom. Right, Bay? Okay. So what else, Ben? Oh, this was, yeah, this is good. I think that, I think he would go, um, all right, stop. You have me explosions. <laughs> And naval ships. Now, can these ships transform? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't he like do that. Battleship? I can't remember. I don't remember who did Battleship. Was it Oliver Stone? Oh, God. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. No. Uh, all right. Yeah. It's, it's, if we were doing that in a world kind of, kind of intro, we could tell some great stories about high, Operation High Jump. The thing is, they would not be the truth. Uh, WikiLeaks has been involved in, in bringing Strangely up. Strangely enough. Bringing up some documents, uh, related to the activities at the time. So first let's talk about what Operation High Jump actually was supposed to be. It was led by a guy named, uh, Richard E. Byrd. He was a rear admiral of the U.S. Navy and their mission was to establish, uh, a research base, their official mission with the, uh, charming name of Little America 4. Nice. <laughs> I don't, Little America 4. That, that's got to be look, look interesting on a postcard, right? Oh, yeah. And 
So according to the official Navy naval report, at mm. least, they had uh, objectives. They had six objectives. The second of those was this idea of consolidating and extending sovereignty over as much of Antarctica as they could. Makes sense. That's what we do. That's what, yeah, that's what people in general seem to mm-hmm. be quite fond of. But the the WikiLeaks reports seem to seem to prove that the underlying motivation for this was uh, not so much the uh, National Socialist Party, but the Soviet Party, the the USSR, because Operation High Jump occurred in forty six and forty seven, so that would be. After World War II. Yeah, right at the tail end. Mm -hmm. Right after World War II has concluded. And the reason, the the theory that we've we've often heard is that while Nazis regrouped to a secret place in New Schwabia Mm -hmm. uh, and Operation High Jump was part of a secret war, uh, a secret atomic war or something. But what it seems to be more of is more evidence that Immediately after World War II, the Cold War began. Yeah, even before it ended. Right, really. right. Even before it ended, and there, there are different, um, there are different interpretations of that. Uh, I'll probably go on to Facebook and Twitter, where you can follow us at Conspiracy Stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, drop the links for anybody who wants to check out more, at least of what WikiLeaks has to say regarding Operation High Jump. Now we get to one of the most exciting things. The 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 most exciting thing about this stuff, uh, people found fossils into Antarctica, so yeah. the ice melts. What else are we gonna find? What other kind of life is gonna be there? It, like living life or just more fossils? Well, we know that all the fossils that have been found so far, at least all the big ones, when you're thinking of you know large flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. Uh, dinosaurs, I'll just say it, dinosaurs, what kind of weird dinosaurs are we going to find? Uh, and maybe we'll find a dinosaur civilization. Uh, Ooh. all the fossils we found so far, the majority are from margins of coastal islands, exposed mountain rock places. Um, the, cause those are the few places that don't have like miles of ice over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because the continent was not always so cold, because it was a subtropical climate for so long, we know that there had to be uh, a an abundance of life. I was, sure. I was looking for the right word that, that <laughs> didn't have a curse word in it. Uh, so during the Cretaceous period, it did enjoy a warmer, lusher climate. And that Cretaceous period started 144 million years ago. It ended 65 million years ago. Wow. And those fossils are, are pretty exciting. Just the few things we've seen um, and, Scientists have identified a handful of dinosaur species that they think are, you know, if not uniquely Antarctic, have been identified at least as as something that would have lived in the Antarctica, not mm-hmm. just like a single animal, but that indicates a larger population. However, what you said just then was by far the most exciting thing. What? We might not just be looking for relics of life gone by. We may find living things, life in action, yeah? Yeah. And who knows the size of these things? It would probably be much smaller, micro, like micro level life or Mm -hmm. even bacteria. Maybe a little bit larger than that because there are other places that we can kind of point to that are somewhat like Antarctica. Mm -hmm. And there is this one place in particular that we know of might hold these things or these keys. And it's already been looked at a bit. It's this place that you may have heard of called Lake Vostok. It's this pristine freshwater lake that's buried two and a half miles below solid ice. That's 3.7 kilometers, by the way. For everyone outside of Namibia and the U.S. (laughs) Oh, wait, and Myanmar. These are the three countries. Uh, it's about the size of Lake Ontario, one of the Great Lakes here in the U.S., and it's the largest of the more than 200 liquid lakes that are strewn across Antarctica. Right, yes. Beneath that ice, there is uh, more than simply stone and 
fossils and dead things. Mountains, yeah. There's, that, there's lakes, man. Freshwater lakes. Mm-hmm, that are liquid. And what we've learned is that these lakes are created when, again, the geothermal heat, the energy from uh, Earth's core, melts the bottom of the ice sheet. Uh, this is maybe counterintuitive to some folks, but the thick blanket of ice on top acts as insulation. Hmm. These lakes don't get out much. No, they don't. They just kind of, they, I don't know, they're, they're happy. They like the quiet life. And that's perhaps why they've been isolated for hundreds of thousands, two millions of years. That, and, and when something's isolated that long, if you're familiar with the, the evolution, the creepy, in my opinion, the creepy evolution of cave dwelling creatures. Oh, yeah. Then you know that, uh, Hundreds of thousands, well, more millions of years uh, gives creatures space to adapt. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, as you can assume, scientists are really excited to get into these lakes like Lake Vostok and really do as much research as possible. Go as deep as you can into the lake and just uh, explore it as much as possible. Can can you imagine being a scientist and discovering perhaps even a new type of life at the bottom of one of these lakes? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I'd, yeah. Be, I'd be like the academic version of Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You be, could drop all the mics. I would be yelling at people at meetups for <laughs> readings. I would interrupt people's finding present. I would interrupt people's presentations on their findings. <laughs> Even if you found microbial life, right? But what if you found something bigger in one of those lakes? Ah, yes. So here, yeah. So scientists have raced to collect water samples from Lake Vostok. And, and this was relatively controversial because what we are essentially doing when we do something like that is that we are breaking the seal on something ancient, right? Yeah. And going through here, what the scientists found was, uh, they found life. They found living things in there. And to me, that's, um, that's kind of, well, it's, it's beautiful. It's, I, I choose to interpret it as beautiful rather than ominous, but, uh, you're right, Matt. They, they found bacteria, but they found more than that too. Yeah. They, they found over 100 multicellular species, which, it's, that's huge. They, they even found some species that are generally associated with mollusks and fish. And there was even one researcher who I think said, well, with all these findings, we might even have fish in there somewhere. And then he very quickly was like, okay, well, maybe not fish. All right. Right. Cause it's so difficult to, uh, it's so difficult to present scientific findings to the, you know, the general to, public. Well, I would say it's not. It's not difficult to present this stuff to the general public because there's this great, there's this great error that people often make about quote unquote the general public, the quotidian, the common man. Sure. And that is to say that a, a single individual is smart, but a group is stupid. Now, as, as convenient as that might be, as fun as it might be to read on like a very negative Hallmark card, uh, <laughs> The, I've never seen that before. The fact of the matter is that people are, that, that people are intelligent. And, you know, cognitively, people are similar to that old story about, uh, goldfish. Our, our intelligence grows to the size of its container. So who makes the container? Who frames the debate? It's not, it's not that, it's not that scientists will report something and Everybody in the world is all of a sudden just dumb about it. No, it's that they report something, but then it is uh, condensed and twisted into something that can be told in two minutes and 30 seconds before shifting to a picture of like a cat that accidentally sneezed while it farted, which I would watch. I'm with, I'm with you to an extent. I'm but with you to but an so extent. I don't think like I, I, I think it's just a huge error to say that. He had to, he had to withdraw that might have fish thing because people wouldn't understand it. But what he was probably more concerned with was someone who wants a really good headline grabbing it and running with it and saying like, Oh yeah. 
ancient and I'm sure they did. fish. I, I don't remember <laughs> seeing the headline, but I'm sure it existed. Mm. And so, so we do know though that this is exciting, right? There's, there's a great lead here. There's evidence that compels us because this is one of how many lakes? 200, you said? Yeah, 200. And we've already found some evidence. We already know there's going to be something down there, Ben, that's going to be, oh, I don't know. I cannot dinosaur. wait. There's going to be a dinosaur. Yeah, I cannot wait. Ancient civilization, alien life. A pyramid? Let me know. A pyramid? Are you kidding me? Ah, oh, that would be great. I, I don't know if it'll be, you know, if it'll happen. No, probably not. But probably not. I'm going to keep hoping and, I, well, I was going to say praying, but. <laughs> well, we, we lit, that's the thing though. We literally don't know. It's, it's such an, it's such an exciting thing. And, and often we as a species think about space, deep space as, as the vast unexplored territory, but this is vast unexplored territory that, you know, in a cosmically, in, in a cosmic sense or cosmic scale is right next to us. We're already yeah. there. And, I'm interested to see it. I'm very interested in the future of Antarctica, and I know you are too. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things that we talked about off-air that would be uh, one of the most important coming developments, and that is who owns it. Precisely. Who will own Antarctica in the future? Right, yeah. So we talked about that treaty, the Antarctic Treaty, mm-hmm. uh, the... It started out with 12 countries and now there are 52 because they would start signing the terms of it so they could send scientists down, do some research. Uh, it has a couple of very big provisions. Uh, the first one is that Antarctica shall be used for peaceful purposes only. So no nuclear bases, guys, no submarine re-ups, uh, none of that. <laughs> I- I feel like that's a tough thing to enforce, but well, I don't know. It's not. It's not impossible. I'm. I'm sure it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Just to even get a ship down there right. is annoying. Well, other other that's islands nice. in the area that are owned by various countries mm-hmm. as research islands may not have those same stipulations. So, for instance, um, if you're you know, like uh, Queen Maud Island. Yes. Or, excuse me, Queen Maud Land is uh, part of Antarctica. But what about the islands off of that? Do they also qualify? And these are things that are answered in the treaties, but the answers uh, may differ at certain points in time or in in territorial reckoning. Another thing is that Freedom of scientific investigation in Antarctica and cooperation toward that end should continue. So if you're a scientist from the U.S. and Noel's a scientist from Finland, Finland, and I'm a scientist from Azerbaijan or whatever, it doesn't matter, uh, then no matter what's really going on with our countries, we should be able to cooperate as academics. And scientific observation and results from Antarctica shall be made freely available. Snow keeping secrets. No saying we've discovered the ruins of an ancient alien civilization. No one tell Greg. You know what? I actually, we probably shouldn't tell Greg. He's just going to get so excited. You know how he is. He's going to start telling everybody that he found it. He is. I wish he never started that Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> look what I found dot tumblr dot com. Yeah. Uh, but so, all right. So right now there is this, there is this agreement that holds, but this agreement, this treaty, uh, is going to come under some increasing pressure as, as Antarctica becomes increasingly accessible, right? And important. Mm-hmm. Once the ice melts, what what kind of mineral deposits are we looking out at under there? You know, uh, yeah. Who's gonna be? Here's the crazy thing. Who's gonna be worried about Antarctica when all this ice is melting? Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Well, you know, actually, now that I think about it a little bit more, if the land ice really starts melting at an increasing rate Mm -hmm. to a point where this land is livable, we're going to have to find new places for humans to live. Maybe this is the answer. Wow. I don't, yeah. All these coastal cities can't live there anymore. Yeah, but what's the span of time for that, too? That's what I'm It's a large span of time, but eventually. Mm-hmm. Antarctica might be the answer. It might eventually it might be the new neighborhood for people for a few million years until the next ice age. Maybe, yeah, and that depends on. Oh, we should also talk about the poles next. But the uh, so yeah, so Antarctica is uh, has the potential to become a hot spot for international competition, similar to the North Pole, where uh, soon. Probably, if if you're listening to this, probably within your lifetime, uh, the there will be parts of the year where the ice at the North Pole melts to the point where uh, ships can navigate across it, which would be tremendous for international shipping and also very dangerous for uh, 
very dangerous for the countries involved as they negotiate peace. You know, uh, we're talking about this off here too. Once upon a time, uh, when, once upon a time, Alaska was called McKinley's Folly. Yep. Uh, because he spent so much money on it. Uh, Why would you buy all this? Right. Oh. Right. And, you know, listeners who are not based in the U.S., I, w- I was thinking from this perspective when I looked at a map of the 50 U.S. states recently, and I thought, man, yeah, Alaska looks weird. Alaska looks like, how did you call that? What happened? Uh, so, uh, the, but the idea of these poles of the world becoming, becoming new regional hotspots or new global hotspots is not as strange as it might sound. And I know that it can be tremendously controversial for people to talk about that stuff, but, um, it's, the, the fact is it's happening. People are just talking about why it's happening and what the timeline is. Mm. But um, the to to paraphrase the old opera quote, the lady has sang. She already sang. She already sang. Oh, this no. is this is happening. There's not there's not much people could do to bring back the ice, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Eventually, it will. Eventually, at least in the in the North Pole, uh, it will it will be. Uh, navigable by water because there won't be that ice there all the year. But again, also I should probably hedge my bets there because I said in your lifetime, but we're not sure. <laughs> yeah. We're not sure how old you are either listener. Yeah. That's a very good point. So I'd like anybody who is, who studies the climate professionally to let me know uh, your estimates. I'd love to read them on air. Oh, and speaking of uh, corrections, we do have another one. I, uh, I messed this up. I slipped when we were talking, um, in in our earlier episodes on uh on World War Three. Okay. It was Nikita Khrushchev yes. who uh gifted Crimea to Ukraine in nineteen fifty four, not Stalin. Right after Stalin. Yeah, it was Khrushchev. Yeah. Uh so the uh the last last thing we should talk about here is uh the pole shifting. Oh yes, which came up recently on our social media, right? Uh here's the long story short. All the evidence indicates that every so often the magnetic poles of earth shift. So uh what this means is essentially the north pole becomes the south pole, south pole becomes the north pole. Most times it happens gradually. The poles start to slowly shift away from their part, and then the north that your compass points to is not the geographical north, right? And this, I mean, this is something people know if you use a compass, but other times it's just uh, flipped, like like in fresh, like a rubber banding, like the life of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and his theme song. (laughs) This gets flipped, turned upside down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, but this, uh, you know, I just bring this up because we're talking about the polls, but every so often you hear people worrying about this. This is another thing where we know that historically we're overdue for it, but, uh, when, when does that date actually come due? No one knows really how to calculate it. Well, and the effects of a, of a pole reversal like that. It's because we're talking about the the magnet the magnetosphere and mm-hmm. you know the inner mechanics of the magnetic nature of Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have all that information, Ben, about how what it's going to do exactly when it happens. But it seems like the effects aren't going to be massive. No, no. It, well, I think the effects will be probably the the effects will probably be massive for certain migratory species that mm-hmm. depend on that reckoning uh, to navigate the world. So to uh, understand which way is North. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, <clears throat> Oh, and no, speaking of North as, as we sew this up, guys, uh, I know we didn't get to everything. We're a little over our time. I just saw uh, my buddy, Kristen oh, no. from stuff. Mom never told you walk by. Oh, uh, uh, we, uh, well, first thing we have to do, Ben, we ooh. have to do this really fast. I have to talk to Noel. Yes. Okay, Noel. Yes, Matt. I just I just had to talk to you though. Oh, okay. I just need to hear your voice. I was feeling scared. No, I'm not feeling good. You don't look so good. 
You're yeah. kind of you're kind of unhinged, you man. I like I'm it. Sorry, no, I'm it's, really sorry. It's good. I just never seen you like this, man. I'm worried. It's very strange because I'm freezing right now, but I know my internal temperature is very hot, and I've got my hoodie on. It's a horrible. He's feeling. got a hot water bottle nestled underneath his chin. Like yeah. I mean, it's a very sad scene. Yeah. <laughs> the blood on your face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so funny. I I was watching Mr. Robot last night, mm-hmm. and this isn't really a spoiler alert, but I, I just, okay. So he is kicking a habit. Mm-hmm. One of the characters is kicking a habit, and he's having the night sweats and going through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it, identifying so hard with his character at that moment. Right. Holy crap! Yeah. You liking the show? Oh yeah, yeah. I watched the first episode. I really enjoyed it. I need to. I I can't speak highly enough about it. It the cinematography of this past episode. I can't place that guy. I feel like I've seen him in something that I liked, but I cannot for the life of me figure out what it was. I'm not positive either. Now I just see him as that character. All right, Ben. Sorry. No, no, no. Well, did this uh, I, this Antarctic discussion at least cool you down? A little? Oh, no. Are no, you honestly. gonna Are you gonna do Are you gonna put in? Did you just put in like a a drum roll? <laughs> yeah, I did it with my mind. Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll hear it in post. Much like Antarctica, my ice is melting rapidly. Ugh. Well, it's time to trundle you off to a sick bed. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, no, I have to. I have to ask. Sure. I have to ask both you guys. Would you, given the chance, take a trip to Antarctica? Don't they do, like, cruises or something? Yeah, I got very close to uh, sneaking aboard. I mean, not as a stowaway. I got very (laughs) – one of my friend's family, she was was going with them because uh, her parents had, I don't know, retired or was their anniversary or something, Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, we're going to go to Antarctica. Wow, that sounds like a punishment. It's more affordable (laughs) if more people go with us. And so, you know, I'm a huge cheapskate. So I said, how affordable is, what do you mean? Yeah, you and I yeah. might have different ideas, but I was all set to go. And then apparently, and I can only tell this story on the air because I'm not going to use the names, but apparently turned out it was more the dad's thing. Oh. And the wife eventually put her foot down and said, you know, this is my anniversary too. Why the hell are we going to Antarctica? What are you trying to say about our marriage? Which is, which, which was a, which is a nice blow, but that was my one chance to go. And there was another expedition where these guys were going to send people out to find an entrance to the hollow earth. And what? You, yeah. And you could sign up online to submit your qualifications. Mm. And this was, um, we were working together. So oh, I yeah, remember this years this. ago. I never heard back from them. So guys, if you're checking out the show, let me know how it went. We'll go on the next one if you're if you let us. I don't know. Maybe their Wi-Fi is not good, being in the Hollow Earth and all. Uh, so, Noel, what you what you think about the episode before we close out? You got I anything? Mean, no, I don't know. I have anything in particular? I think you guys were thorough as usual. Um, I, I think know. there's some interesting things to think about. I don't think we were, man. You I don't? think there's so much more we could do. I want to go to Antarctica, sign up on a research station, put my two years in, or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, I want to find the thing. You want to find the thing? Yeah. You know, I think it's down there. I think there's a possibility too that we talked about it. Like, could you accidentally dig too deep and resurrect some contagion or pathogen? Yeah. Is that, is that, is that what possible? the thing was, by the way? What, what is the thing? The I thing mean, was an alien life form okay. that landed. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But it's so, it's hard to say exactly what it is. Right. Cause you don't really see its natural shape it's uh, the ambiguous type for, for a yeah. while yeah but yeah we know i mean you didn't even talk about that a possible contagion or a viral uh, life form that lives there we should get to we should do that in a future episode about a disease wiping out the earth mm-hmm. which is uh one of the w- one of historically one of the most uh dangerous Disasters, right? Mm-hmm. Even more so than an earthquake. Quick trivia question. Yes, sir. Uh, we can cut this if you want. It was a, a trivia question the other week when I was playing. Um, do you know the names of the two types of plague that made up the Black Plague? Bubonic. Yes, bubonic plague. And then there's the other one. Uh, Greg's plague. I've already forgotten what it was. You've already forgotten <laughs> what it was. <laughs> 
think it was like pneumonic or something. Like pneumonic that. plague? Yeah, that's what it was. Exactly. It was the bubonic plague. Pneumonic. Pneumonic plague. That sounds like a fun plague that helps you remember the bubonic plague. Yes. On that note, well, well played, sir. Well plagued. On on that note, we're uh, we better get out of here. Before uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen comes back for revenge. Uh, so we hope that you did enjoy this episode. Again, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to, uh, but we would like to hear from you with your thoughts on the future of Antarctica, any of the things we've discussed before, and uh, any ideas you have for an upcoming episode. Additionally, if you want to take a page from uh, some of the folks who've been tweeting us and writing to us, uh, such as Cheryl and Sean, and recommending some places that we should check out or people we should talk to while we are in the District of Columbia before we get uh, disappeared or arrested, then uh, go ahead and let us know directly. Our email is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracystuff you can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.